You're listening to Crosspoint Community Church in LaGrange, Texas podcast. To learn more about Crosspoint Community Church, including service times and how you can connect, please visit crosspointchurchtx.org. Well, happy Mother's Day. It was so fun. I said happy Mother's Day to some of you, and you said it back to me. And I was like, I guess I do look like I'm carrying a baby, so I appreciate that. Well, man, we had a good week. I got to go to Atlanta and spend some time sitting under the teaching of Andy Stanley for a few days, and that's always good. He's a good dude. And um, and also just to go to church and not have to teach. That's kind of nice, you know, some. So um, that was kind of cool. Atlanta was actually not hot Atlanta. It was very nice and easy. But So anyway, this week, as we've been thinking about, um, and one of the things Andy talked about kind of ties into this day, but um, we're today thinking about how to be a successful parent. And we got to see the beginnings. And I think at the beginning, you kind of have this vision of what you want for your kid, and you've got this idea of these different things. And, and maybe it might be a good idea to maybe draw out like, hey, here's little Susie or here's little Johnny and put little things out to the side of it. Hey, I want my child to be as smart as they can possibly be. I want my child to have character. I want my child to whatever and kind of list out some of those different things. And so I think we have this idea of what we want, but what it, what is successful parenting? What does it look like to rear up your children, raise up your children in such a way that when they one day leave the house that you feel like I've launched them and they have an opportunity to be successful. I do have experienced that part of like you're launching them out and you don't know what's going to happen. I mean, they, you're, they're not necessarily under your control when they're in your house, but you even have less control or whatever, less say in things as they leave the house. And this idea of just what does it look like to, to let your children go and to let them be? And in some ways, I've heard so many parents over the years say, I just hope that that they do better than I do, whatever that means, right? And so I think we have this American ideal of what that means, that they have a bigger house and a bigger white picket fence and nicer cars or whatever. But I don't know that that's the biblical idea. And so what does it look like for us as followers of Jesus? So I'm going to pull back the curtain today, and this, this is, if you're not a follower of Jesus, then kind of lean into what we're talking about and if you are a follower of Jesus, I'm going to really challenge us today. And this has been a challenging thing for me, too. So don't just think, and just because I'm a pastor doesn't mean that my house and my heart and my mind isn't bent toward other things as well. We're all together failed human beings. And so what is it? what are the markers of success? What does it look like for young adults? What do they need to know? What do they need to be doing? What do they need to be thinking how they need to be acting so that we know that they're mature, whatever that maturity is. And, and as we understand that there's 35 and 40-year-olds that aren't mature, they may have reached a certain age, but that doesn't mean you're mature. And so I know some 12 and 13-year-olds that are more mature than 50-year-olds. And so what does it look like to, to get our kids to a certain place so that they can launch and we feel like we have a, a sense of they're going to find success in, in all these different things. And so maybe for you, it's like, hey, I want my kids to know how to vacuum, or I want my kids to know how to do laundry. I'll never forget in college, my first week or two in college, we were doing laundry, a couple of sweetmates were doing laundry and went down to the little laundry room. This is in the old days where you put quarters in the little thing and you'd get the little boxes of soap and all that kind of stuff and get a dryer sheet or whatever if your parents didn't give that to you. 
And so a friend of mine put the quarters in, and you get the little bitty personal box that would do like three or four loads of laundry. And he put his clothes in, and then he sets the box on top of it inside of the deal and begins to turn the water on. And I'm like, hey, 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 what are you about to, what are you, what are you doing? He goes, I'm doing laundry. And I was like, I'd really love to see what's going to happen here, but that's not how you do it. And so I had to teach my friend who was 18, 19 how to do laundry. I didn't think that was going to be something I did, but um, his mommy had always done it for him. Um, so he was about to have a lot of pink things um, and make a big mess. But, I mean, you know, maybe cleaning potties, maybe how to put gas in your car, change your battery, whatever it is, or even balance your checking account, that kind of stuff. And um, those are all important things that we need to be able to do. And But does that make us mature? And so I want you to think about this morning as a, as a follower of Jesus. What is the vision? What are the markers that you have for your children as faith followers of Jesus as well? Because one of the things that Scripture tells us as followers of Jesus is that our mantra is imitate me. And so that as parents, our kids imitate us anyway. They're little models, they're mini-me's, and they don't want to be mini-me's, but it just happens that way. And so they pick up on all these things, and most of their life, they catch more than what we teach them. As the old adage says, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. And it's that idea that our kids catch more than what we teach. And so what's the vision that you have for your children, that when you launch them out, where do you want them to be? What do you want the character, the integrity What does it look like to be successful? Because I think one of the things that we're struggling with as a culture and a society and as a nation is there's so many things that as followers of Jesus and even not as followers of Jesus that we're not happy about. That there's things changing and things that we're like, hey, I don't like this or whatever. And from a morality standpoint, but even as followers of Jesus. And so one of the big reasons that's happened is because as parents, our parents and grandparents and great-grandparents didn't model faith in some ways. And so we've just decided some of those things don't really matter. And so we've let them go by the wayside. And so the question that I want to ask you then is, what is the faith of the next generation worth? That if we don't do our job today as parents, we literally could see that this is one of the last generations that know Jesus. And have the opportunities to worship Jesus like we do. None of you were worried about not about getting stopped and getting checked at a little gate guard or whatever, but coming to church and had to have your little special I'm going to church thing and all this. Like you, you don't, we don't have all those things, but it easily could be the rest. A lot of the places in the world don't have the freedoms that we have. And so, what does it look like for us to pass on our faith? And what is the faith of the next generation worth? To us. I think in John chapter 14, verse 15, in just a minute we're going to look at Deuteronomy 6, which is in the Old Testament, so you can look there in a little bit. But John chapter 14, verse 15 says, If you love me, obey my commandments. And I think this is a verse that as a parent, it makes even more sense to us because whenever a child doesn't obey, there's consequences, or there should be, right? And so maybe you've even been in that place where maybe as a child you disobeyed and your parents came to you and they said, this is going to hurt me more than it hurts you. 
And when you're a child, you're like, how can this hurt you more than me? Because you're doling out the punishment. But now as a parent, at least on my side, as a parent, you understand that it's not about the doling out of the punishment, but it's the crossing of the line and the pain, shame, and regret that can come from not obeying. Because you see, as parents, we understand that we offer boundaries, we offer rules and regulations or whatever you want to call those things. We offer those things not to keep our children from experiencing fun in life, but to actually allow them to experience life to the fullest without having some of the same shame, pain and regret and hurts that we experience as young adults or as teenagers or tweeners or whatever. And so we offer these things with that wisdom in mind and saying, listen, I, I know I have experience to know that you don't want to go to this place. You don't want to experience this because it may look like fun. It may look intriguing. It may look enticing. But in reality, all it's going to do is it's going to hurt you and it's going to break your heart. And as a parent, I don't want you to walk and to have to deal with that. And so we understand if you love me, obey my commandments, but. What does that look like for us in faith as adults is that our children are watching us. And so whether we say imitate me or not, they are imitating me. And so this question pops up every single day for us as adults. Whenever we have opportunities to really answer the question, do we believe what we say we believe or not? And if we truly believe what we say we believe in faith in Christ, then our love will allow us and compel us, empower us, and encourage us to obey the commandments that God has set for us. And so that also means then our lives will look different. There'll be things about us that are different, that we in Christ have freedom to do and choose anything. But is it the best for us? So if you love me, obey my commandments and imitate me. And Jesus even tells us in Matthew chapter 16, then Jesus said to his disciples, if any of, any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way. And that's one of the things that we learn is that there's along the way as parents that are one of the things that we're teaching our children is that there's this, this thing of it feels like maybe you're giving something up, but in reality you're gaining so much more. And for us as adults, as followers of Jesus, that there's moments of decision of giving up my way to fit in with everybody else to be obedient to what Jesus has. And so for us as followers, that means taking up your cross. That's that self-sacrificing thing and following Jesus. I think we understand that there are many who believe about Jesus. But to be a follower of Jesus is a whole different thing. And so that's what I want to challenge us with as parents is that we're not just believers, but that we're followers. And that as followers, what we're saying is imitate me. Where I go, you go. So as parents, is everywhere we go places we want our kids to go with us. No. And I don't want this to be a message of shame. I want this to be a message of us thinking about, do we love God? Is the faith of what we say we believe, do we really believe it enough to say that my feet 
Although I have the liberty to go there in Christ, I will not go there because I know that I have other feet behind me. And I don't want them to have the shame, pain, regret. I don't want them to experience the brokenness and the baggage and the stuff that we have carried because we've, maybe our parents have led us there, even. And to say, no, I don't want that. And so for us, again, to pull back the curtain and say, we just don't want to be believers, but we want to be followers. And to know that where our feet trod may not be perfect, but success in parenting looks like obedience to Jesus. Counting the cost and knowing that, hey, listen, there may be moments that we as parents and even as just adults say no to things because we know that there's little feet behind us. So do we really believe what we say we believe? Imitate me. Those are hard words. So way back when in the Old Testament, God understood that the home was the center place of faith. And so he shared this verse in Deuteronomy chapter 6, 4 through 9. That's called the Shema, which is the, the prayer, the teachings. And so in Jewish life, This was a central verse that they would copy it down and they would literally put it on their doorpost. So when you're coming and going, you would stop and recognize and you would say this prayer. They would some that were so tied to this and saying, hey, this is so much a part of our life. I don't want to forget it. Not only what is it on their doorpost, but they would actually make bracelets and they would have a little box and they would write the Shema prayer and they would put it there. And so every time that they would look, every time that they would write, every time that they would do work, every time that they would touch their heart, they were reminded of, listen This is the verse. Some were so with it, like this is so much a part of what they want to do. Like, listen, it's not just about my heart, my mind, but also my heart and hands, but it's also about my mind. And so they would make little necklaces and tie it around their head, and they would have these little boxes. And these boxes were called phylacteries, and they were were there. And so everywhere they would go, it would be upon their mind. They took it a little bit further, right? I mean, this is one of the things Jesus taught about is don't make a show of your faith, but your faith should impact your daily life. And so what does it look like today? Some of us have tattoos and bracelets and different things to remind us of our faith and the story that God has with us. And so here in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4 and following, it says, Listen, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. So the very first thing in this prayer is a reminder of Exodus chapter 20 that God is God. Yahweh is the only God. All other gods are false gods. And so here in this prayer, the first thing for us as parents is a reminder is there is only one God that we bow down to in this house, and that is Jesus. But let's be honest. There's moments where we bow down to other things. Imitate me. And you must love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your mind, with all of your being... Love God. So there's nothing about this. How does this practically play out, play out in our lives? What does it look like for us? Even one of the, and listen, I, I love sports, okay? I'm hyper competitive. I will race you. I will break your legs to beat you. I will do whatever I need to do. I mean, I know it's, there's some evil still here, okay? But I will win. 
And I understand the lessons, and there's a lot of value in all this different stuff, but even one of the most recent stats just befuddled me, that the average parent right now that's doing sports, you know, outside, is spending on average over $10,000 a year on our sports. Which means, let's just say you have a short career of five years. That's $50,000. That's your college education. That's your whatever. And again, I'm not saying that, but I'm just saying we have to consider all of those things into that and say, hey, listen, I love the Lord your God with all of your heart and begin to ask some of those questions of what does it look like maybe for us to make some hard decisions because it's more value with our faith and Jesus and some of the community things there than some of the other stuff that are available to us, not just sports, but so many different things. And those are hard questions. I get it. I've had to make it. But it's there. What does it mean to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all your strength, with everything you've got, and to commit yourselves wholeheartedly to the commands that I'm giving you today? That the things that I'm teaching you that are life-giving so that your feet walk in places of life and not pain, shame, and regret. These are the commands that I give you. And then what's it tell us? Repeat them again and again and again to your children. When you go and you're in line for fast food because you've been so busy that day you haven't thought about dinner, you're talking about faith and life. When you're at the dinner table at home, you're talking about faith and life. When you're taking your kids to school, you pray over the day because we're not dropping our kids off to school in the 50s anymore. I mean, all the places that we go and everything that we do, our children are imitating us. And all of these things matter, whether you're on the road, wherever you're at, they're watching. And even maybe you've had this experience, you over your hear your kids saying something that they shouldn't be saying. And you wonder, where did they get that? And then you're like, oh, yeah. (laughs) Five minutes later, you drop something and it's like, yeah, that's where they got that. There's a a great country song about that. Not that I listen to country. And when you're going to bed and when you're getting up, in other words, all of life for us as followers of God matters. And so what does it look like for us to tell our kids, imitate me as I pursue Jesus? Imitate me as I pursue Jesus. Because everywhere I go, everything I do, the things I'm moving toward Jesus. Now, understand, none of us are perfect. But what if that was on the forefront of our mind? To imitate me. Do what I'm doing. Say what I'm saying. Because our young people don't need just believers in these things, but they need to see our faith in action. Do we really believe what we say we believe? So a few people that I want to bring to your attention is Joseph was someone who was a follower of God and his his home life wasn't perfect. As a matter of fact, he got sold into slavery by his brothers and shipped off. And so he's in Egypt. And because of his character, because of his integrity, the things that his mom and dad taught him early on, they had an impact in his life. And he was raised up to prominence within Potiphar's house. And Potiphar was a very powerful man. And one day, Potiphar's wife said, hey, you're looking kind of cute. And offered him an opportunity, which 
Still happens today, I understand. And Joseph said, how could I do this thing? It would be a great sin against my God. Now, as parents, we hope our children would, in the, I'm assuming, as followers of Jesus, that our children in this moment would choose not the moment, but the long-term vision for their life. That, yes, this is available to me, but it is not for me today. There's another time for this that will be even better and even more enjoyable. God, God's not dumb. But for us as parents to say and help teach and imitate that the moment of pleasure is not as good as the lifetime of relationship. Or Daniel, who as a young man was growing up within the Jewish household and they were taken over by the Babylonians. And he was lucky to be chosen to be brought back to the Babylonians and said, hey, for the rest of your life, you get to eat what the king eats. And all of us would be like, sign me up. And in those days, especially because to have a guarantee of a daily meal, a regular meal, multiple meals was a big deal because no one else had that. But if you're in the king's house, you did. And so Daniel had that opportunity. And then Daniel was told, hey, you're going to eat exactly what the kings eat. And he looks at what the king's dining table and he says, hey, I'm not supposed to eat that stuff. That's not healthy for me. So I might need to get onto the Daniel diet. But Daniel was determined Not to defile himself. Imagine a generation that was determined not to defile themselves. Everyone else was doing it. All the other leaders were doing it, but Daniel and a couple of his friends said, it's available, but it's not the best for me. And the only way that that can happen was because they were empowered and encouraged because they'd seen their parents do the same thing. They'd seen God's faithfulness in their life before because their parents had said, imitate me. Their mommy and daddies had sent them off and they said, imitate me. Don't forget. Don't forget that you're a follower of Yahweh. And then this guy named King David, who we know the end of his story, but early on as he was fleshing out life and faith and opportunities came before him. He stood before an army with others saying they backed down from Goliath and Goliath was mocking their God and mocking the nation of Israel. 13, 14 year old boy stands before Goliath and said, who is this? He said, pagan, who is this person that is allowed to defy the armies of the living God? That we'd have young men and women stand up and say, who is this? That's telling me I have to do this or to have this as a part of my life for my life to have meaning and worth. When I find my worth and value in Christ and in Christ alone, not in what the world tells me. Not in my likes and followers and my tweets and my fellow TikTokers. And then a guy that was a king, Josiah, at the age of 25, they refound the word of God in the temple. And he read it before the people and it convicted Josiah's heart. And he said, from this day forward, I will be a king that lives this out. And his people saw the fruit of that. And they said, we will follow our king because his heart has been transformed by the word of a living God. We need more leaders like that. And then also Mary, the mother of Jesus. That I mean, this miraculous thing that happened and she has this discussion with the angel that's telling her and at the end of this discussion her words to the angel of the lord are this mary responded i am the lord's servant may everything that you've said about me come true 
Now, she understood in this that people were going to call her a whore. People were going to call her things. And she said, Lord, whatever you want for me, may it be true. Because what other people said didn't matter. And so for us as adults, to say imitate me means... The voices of other people don't matter more than the voice of God. And I know it's hard, but what does it look like for us to move into that and to lean into that? And that's where our feet trod into those things. And so how do we help our young people from here to the seniors that we're about to graduate? How do we help them have the courage? How do we encourage them to stand up for their faith? Not mommy and daddy's faith. We're passing it on for them to stand for their faith, for their God, for their Jesus. It's because they see us imitated and they say, I have seen God show up time and time again. And I've seen my parents stand strong. I've seen my grandmother and grandfather, I've seen my aunts and uncles stand strong. It's not they're not perfect, but they're leaning into this. And to show that we truly believe what we say we believe and that we're followers of Jesus, not users of Jesus. Because in those moments, we have an opportunity to say, I believe this so much, I will not violate my conscience. I believe in Jesus. For our direction, not our intention, determines your destination. Our direction, not our intention, determines our direction, our destination. We had this happen to us this week. I won't tell you who it was. But somebody typed in something wrong into the GPS, and we ended up at the correctly named hotel, but not the right hotel. So we pulled up and we're like, oh, this is not the right place. And this is such a true thing of life is that there's moments where we're just casual about where we're going and we end up somewhere, but it's not the place we really wanted to go. And so what does it look like for us as parents and as adults to to lean into this and to double check the route that we're going and make sure that our destination is truly where we want our kids to go? Obedience and integrity and character and faith in Christ is our success. So what's the faith of the next generation worth? Everything. Everything. So for us as parents to put the mirror up to our life and say, does this look like Jesus? Does this smell like Jesus? Does this tastes like Jesus, does my life look more like Jesus today than it did yesterday? Because I've got people imitating me. And I want them not just to have a better life. This is not about morality. I want them to know that Jesus loves them and they have a more intimate relationship with him than even I can even fathom. Because I've given them a glimpse of what it can look like. That's my prayer for us. And we count the cost. And say, I don't want to just be a believer. But I want to be a follower that says, imitate me. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your grace and mercy. That most of the dumb things that we do, our children forget. Or don't even know. But, Father, I pray that our children will catch us more often than not doing and saying things in pursuit of you. 
that his parents and his grandparents and his aunts and uncles at our heartbeat would be to imitate and to know that little eyes and hearts and minds are taking in and soaking in everything about us because they want to be like us at a young age. So, Father, may we embrace that responsibility and lean into it. And may we use it like the bumpers on a bowling alley to guide us and to correct us to the path towards you. May you be brought glory and honor through the way that we imitate you. It's in your son's name that we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us for the Cross Point Community Church Podcast. It is our prayer that this message was encouraging to you as you follow Jesus. For more about Cross Point Community Church, you can find us online at crosspointchurchtx.org. Have a great week.